and welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and today we wanted to discuss what's going on with Bernie Sanders to the recent endorsements he's picked up from several members of the squad. Joining me today is our resident professor, Tunde Ongolana. What's going on, man? What's up, sir? Yeah, all right. <laughs> Happy to be recording, man. Well, let me let me let me ask you about this because there's been some some discussion on um, the the identity politics and where we stand with that in terms yeah. of like you said, like our own groups, um, and that came out about with the the with several members of the squad, AOC, Omar, and Talib endorsing Bernie Sanders in the Democratic primary. I mean, and this is in light of you know several women candidates, candidates of color. Um, and people are asking, you know, is, is this is, is identity politics over, you know? Um, and so what do you see there? Do, do these women, do they do they owe it is the squad? Do they owe it to their communities and to, to society to endorse a woman or a person of color um, um, in these types of situations? Or can they endorse Bernie and not kill identity politics or are identity politics dead? No, I mean, look, I think as long as us humans are wired the way we are, identity politics is is always going to be here to stay. I mean, we're tribal um, and in terms of our base nature. And unfortunately, you and I won't see be alive long enough to see the evolution of humanity out of this phase. <laughs> so my answer there is I don't see that stopping now in terms of identity politics. To answer the first question, my, my direct answer is, is no, I don't think they owe anybody anything. Um, but I'll nuance that out, as we just talked about. <laughs> Maybe we got to explain that that point. Um, so, because I'm 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 always big about just having integrity in the argument and being fair, right, and not being a hypocrite. So if if I don't want, let's let's just say this: if I wouldn't want a white person not voting for me if I ran because I'm black, or only saying, well, we can only have white people at this position or in this, you know, position of power. I'll orientally endorse someone that looks like me because I'm, you know, then if I don't like that, then I can't support if someone of my group is going to do the same thing. Now, again, there's nuances with even that comment, but I would say this, I feel that this squad group, you know, this AOC and Omar and all them, the reason of their support for Bernie Sanders is because of their belief in his policies, period. And what they're probably saying more so with their endorsement is, yeah, it's great that there's women candidates and minority candidates and minority women candidates in the primary race for the Democratic ticket. But we're just, I guess, letting it be known that their policies don't line up with ours. So we're going to choose the... Or at least as much as he is do. Correct. And yeah, that's a better point, a better way to say it, um, that this is the candidate whose policies line up the most with 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 ours or mine as an individual congressperson so um i feel like what they're doing is actually being honest yeah um about their position and not trying to pander to identity politics just by saying oh because i'm a hispanic woman or a black woman i gotta pick kamala harris or you know amy klobuchar or one of these other people um they're saying i'm just gonna stand true to my convictions and i think you and i were joking about this that again it's another thing of people bringing it up kind of the woke culture, they should do this, they should do that, and everybody wants to tell people what they should and shouldn't do. Well, if that's the case, then every black person should have um, endorsed Alan Keyes for president. Or maybe <laughs> split themselves between Alan Keyes and Barack Obama in 2008. Or Herman Cain, go for the 999. Nine, nine. in 2012, yeah. <laughs> so you've got, I think there's like 45 million black Americans in the United States. 
So Herman Cain should have just split the vote, right? Twenty-two and a half million each well, way. I, I wouldn't go with you there, <laughs> and I, I get your point. But I would say, even if you play out the identity politics all the way and say that is the, that should be your number one piece, then you still can can pick between two of the same identity. You don't have to default into one or the other. Like that point, I would say, if blacks and and were, were split fifty-fifty between conservatives and 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 well, I should say Republican and Democrat, then maybe they'll split. Kane yeah. and Obama, but if, if you can stick with whatever it is, um, you know, when it's, if, if you're a Democrat, then you would support the black Democratic candidate. So that's where I'd push back on you. But overall, I, I see your point and I think it's a solid point. But even the black Democratic candidate, because the interesting thing is, I mean, this, I think this is the first time, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at least my memory tells me that we've had multiple um candidates of color, and I would say, I guess, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker being kind of black American candidates at the same time in a primary. Mm-hmm. Um, so even to your point, I just think that it's, 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 I'm glad to see that not everybody is just going after, let's say, those two, that there are black folks looking at other people like Biden or Sanders or whoever, because again, it showed like, I'm a big fan. Like I always said to people, you know, I know it's difficult maybe in today's political environment, but black folks should be trying to infiltrate the Republican Party if they really want legislative change. Because if the Republican Party knew that it had to compete for black votes, you know, 20, 30 percent of the votes came from black people. I'm pretty sure that the, the policy arguments they'd be making might be a little bit different than the arguments they're making today. No, they, that, so, that, that wouldn't work, though, because they've already made the strategic decision. To correct. I, I get that. Black I'm folks. just saying in a in a greater picture, I get that this modern Republican Party has made a decision. They're not going there. Strategically, they don't want yeah, to invite basic. anyone other than who they have right now at the table. And interestingly enough, that requires them to cheat. That requires them to to, to gerrymander. That requires them because they've said, we just don't want you in our tent to such a, based on, they've said that based on their actions. Correct. And and to such large swaths of population, they have to go through extreme efforts of voter suppression, gerrymandering to to, to maintain power, to go after power. That, that they, they could open their tent if they didn't want to gerrymander and, voter, and do voter suppression anymore, but they don't. But I'd say, you know, with the identity politics there, piece, Wait a second, because you just okay. hit something very important. Therein lies the real issue. You just hit it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's well, hold on, let sure. me tell you why. Because you just hit the nail on the head. By opening up the tent and trying to go after everybody's votes, one thing that would then have to be acknowledged is that there are imbalances in our system, Right. Because if you had a message that was welcoming to everybody, then you would have to acknowledge that there is imbalances, let's say, in the justice system, because that's. The well, only- but I mean, the, yeah. there were Republicans. That was the, 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 the bill that the, the just went through. The first step act had bipartisan support, you know, like now, granted, that wasn't everything. There wasn't three days of headlines on Fox News about it. Yeah. Um, but. That was something, I mean, so there is that within the Republican Party. And and let's, you know, because I could take that to a lot of things, immigration, um, you know, social safety nets, right? There's a lot of areas where by by including everyone, they would also have to acknowledge that certain... certain policies that they've stuck to or, or, or philosophies, let's say, not even policies, have really, I mean, it would ha- you'd have to acknowledge at that point that things like the, the, ta- the way that taxes um, have been done in the last 40 years, social safety nets, 
you know, the decimation of unions, the decimation of pensions in the workforce, all those things have then only benefited a few, right? Well, and they've, they've harmed the vast majority from an economic correct. standpoint, and, and, vast majority and so, of Because if you invite everyone in, then everyone's going to be making these observations and you're well, going to have but, to... See, here's the thing, though. This is, and we're, we, you know, we don't want to go too far away, but yeah, I'll yeah. tell you this, this. On this point, though, here's the... Uh, let me give you the second part of that piece because this is the part that you, that's inseparable from that, is that politicians don't like accountability. So as it's set right now, um, the if you pander a certain way to certain segments of society, not based on rational arguments, but based on emotional arguments. Hey, you know, you're being attacked, you're being invaded, yada, yada, yada. Then as, and this is evidenced and illustrated in our society, no matter what you do, they'll still support you, you know, and Republicans have actually called out and to black folks, you know, from various times to say that like, Hey, the democratic policies are not helping you. Like you think they are, you shouldn't just blindly support them no matter what they do. Um, well, but at the same time, trying to cultivate that amongst, um, essentially whites without a college degree, you know, like that they want unquestioned support. These other people are evil and no matter what we do, we're better than them. And so therefore you escape accountability. Yeah. That's how, you know, you can break the law. You can um, do whatever you want. Roy Moore, you know, was, was he, he lost by a hair, you know, in Alabama, 50% of Alabama <laughs> still voted for him, even with all this stuff coming out about him, you know, trying to go in after your young women, you know, yeah. and, and Donald Trump won, you know, with, with, uh, tens and tens of allegations of, of abuse and not releasing his tax returns because people aren't interested in accountability once you get to that level. Yeah. So that, that's the piece you can't overlook when it comes to that. And identity politics sometimes sets the stage for that, whether it be a con man, whether it be lack of accountability, like, look, because I am who I am and I either look like you or I'm from a similar circumstance to you, then therefore don't look at me critically because you just have to have my back because we're one in the same. And so that yeah. actually, so I won't stump for identity politics. Now, I do think there's something too where you have situations where you, someone will understand your struggle more if they've went, gone through a similar struggle or they've been subjected to similar things. So they may be, have more empathy towards that, but that's not necessarily a prerequisite to having empathy. So yeah. someone could try to well, make your circumstance better without going through it. So you have to be really careful basically with the identity politics. The do the women have an obligation? Of course not. They have an obligation to themselves, to their conscience, to support who they think embodies what they want. Remember AOC was a volunteer on Bernie's campaign in 16, you know, before she ran for office. And so in Omar, you know, her Sanders stuff, what he's doing as far as education or what he wants to do as far as education is like Omar's you know, central theme to her, her candidacy, you know, so it makes sense when you look at the, what they, they've staked their, 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 their political lives much more so on policy positions than they have on just, Hey, I am Muslim or Hey, yeah. I am a Latin women, woman. Like that's not what they're out there selling when they're trying to get elected. They're saying, Oh, you'll see saying I'm a democratic socialist, you know, like, and, and I think that, we should not have people poor in the street with the level of wealth that we have in this country. And so it aligns actually with the things they talk about that they would support Bernie Sanders, that they would endorse Bernie Sanders. And now if you only, if you can't get past what they look like, then maybe that's you, you know, maybe that's yeah. you that are, are overly focused on the, the look of someone and whether or not you should support them or not versus what they're actually saying. And that's, and that's really what I took away from that. 
That's a great point. That's what I was going to say too, is that the kind of the, the comments you're making circle it back to the beginning of, of the whole thing, which is the contrast between the way that some black folks reacted to Biden's comments versus the way some reacted to um, Sanders. Yeah. And the idea of, you know, I just like to hear what I'm hearing because you're with me um, yeah. Yeah. versus or I at might, least you make me feel like you're, yeah, you're with and, me. And, and versus maybe I got to eat my broccoli. <laughs> I don't like it, yeah, but it's good yeah, for yeah. me. So No, yeah, that's, that's, that's real. So, I mean, and, and one thing Omar said, actually, with her uh, when, when she endorsed him was that, you know, she thought that Bernie's movement transcended gender, ethnicity, and religion. You yeah. know, and so and we're, I'm going to ask you, you know, is his movement viable, you know, in your opinion? But I know you you uh, had a particular thought, you know, about how she noted that his movement transcends religion. Yeah. You know, and, and the significance of that, of her endorsement to him, you know, just from an identity politics standpoint, if you want to look at it that way, or just in a world view standpoint, you know, what that represents. Well, here's the thing. It's interesting from what you just said reminds me of 2008, because I had some friends of mine who were white that were sharing with me back in a way that they couldn't believe that their parents were so upset at them that they were going to vote for Obama. And what, what, what shocked some of my friends were that not, not that their parents, you know, might not agree with a political view or something because they always thought of their parents as pretty liberal and not having an issue. But when I guess the time came to make a decision of who do you want to be your president, it was the first time they saw their parents acting a way they hadn't seen before. Interesting. And so, and so what you're saying reminds me of that, like Barack Obama's presence caused, I'm sure caused a white community kind of challenge some, some people's viewpoints, right? Like what, what what's they right of themselves? Here? Yeah. Like think of them, you know, for the first time, like you're saying about, wow, this might be a reflection of you more than the person yeah. actually running for office. So I think you're right that, that everybody's susceptible to that. And now we're seeing it happening to minorities where you have, and, and again, this is why the country is a little bit polarized now because we have changes that just in, in a generation ago wouldn't happen. I mean, think about what we're talking about. We're talking about four minority women in Congress supporting a white candidate for president yeah. who calls himself a socialist. I mean, <laughs> think about you and me as kids in the 1980s. And yeah. that, be hearing that this would happen, you would never think this would happen. <laughs> so, so just just me saying that sounds weird. It, you know, it's definitely, you know, the guy's a socialist running for president. So, do I think that the policies are viable long term? Um, yes, in a certain sense, because I, I think any any type of political thought can be viable long term, depending on uh, where one is on the pendulum swing historically. Yeah. Like my point is, it took the Great Depression, the excesses of the twenties, the robber barons of those those days, like um, you know the the Rockefellers, the Duponts, all that. Yeah. And 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 like we said, yeah, the government having to actually hire people to wheelbarrow carcasses off the street of poor dead people. Yeah. It took that extreme in that direction to kind of create the environment for the New Deal, which was the United States version of socialism, I guess, you know, the safety nets within a capitalistic structure. Yeah, that's not socialism, though. It's still relied on, that was still free enterprise at its core, it, but it did put a salary cap, you know, like you put in a 93% tax on top earners, that's a salary but, cap. But that's why I said that um, it's the American way. It's, 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 yeah. it's, okay. it's, 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 that's why I said it's, it's, a, it's a safety net within the capitalist structure. 
So I definitely agree. It's not well, that produced so the greatest middle class in the history of the world. So and, 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 <laughs> and I don't disagree, enough. but but the question was, is do I think it's viable? You think I it's think, viable? And, 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 and I'm gonna throw something else in the mix at you, uh, Steve Schmidt. Who but I was just gonna say oh, that okay, it's, go it's 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 so Bernie's policies could be viable, but I don't think we're there at the extreme of excess to where he'll get traction today. Like well, I hope, he got more traction in 16 really than he is right now. That's what I'm saying. Like I and and my point is this. I think anything can be viable. Look, unfortunately, probably slavery at some point in the future of humanity will come back at some form. Maybe not against black people, but against some other group. Well, so I mean, anything, slavery's been anything is, since, you know, yeah, anything is viable. I just, I'll say this. I hope we don't get to the point that the excesses got so egregious that it creates the environment for Bernie's policies to be long-term viable. Because that means, because remember, humans don't do any big change unless we have a lot of pain. Yeah. So for Bernie's things to be viable means we had a massive collapse. That's what I'm saying. I well, hope we did though. And, and it means here's we the thing. Pain. Here's the thing. We did have that. I mean, and that's what I think that Bernie's positioning and and or the the popularity, I should say, of, of Bernie's mindset. Bernie's been like this a long time, but no, that, this has been so popular right now is in direct is a direct reaction to the Great Recession. Oh, and I agree. you know, like you have Trump all and Bernie represent that in a sense. Yeah, I mean, and so you have that where basically a whole generation of Americans, it was revealed to them that the American system is not working, you know, and, and we're up to what, 20 trillion in debt now. This is just a, this, it's not because we have some crazy thing going on. It's just our normal expenses year to year. We're just adding yeah. debt upon debt upon debt. We claim to have a great economy right now. We're still borrowing a trillion dollars a year just to keep our country going. And so I think the reaction to that is that basically the system isn't working. Now, I think Bernie's an overreaction in the sense that nobody in, in none of the pragmatists are coming up with viable solutions. You could say Elizabeth Warren is trying to do that, where she's saying, I'm trying to save capitalism in the same way that FDR did. But none, everybody keeps saying, hey, you know, like the, the Hillary Clintons of the world, like, hey, the system's fine. We need to make some small tweaks here and there. And then there are a lot of people saying, clearly, the system's not fine. And yeah. so... Now, is the movement viable? I more so mean like in today's America, you know, is this something that can get Bernie elected president? I think he would have had a better chance in 16 as we were closer to the Great Recession. Steve Schmidt, you know, who is a contributor on MSNBC now is a lifelong Republican and as a strategist worked on the campaigns of George W. Bush, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, John McCain. He, his quote recently was that he thought that his quote, I'll, I'll give his quote. I think in America, a sociopath will beat a socialist seven days a week and twice on Sunday. And now you have to consider the source, obviously, <laughs> but I don't think that's far off. I do think that the label socialist is something that is, will be from a general election standpoint, can be something that can be weaponized against you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You can weaponize less <laughs> against somebody. They weaponized emails yeah. against Hillary. Now, Hillary was very unpopular generally, but anyway, like the socialism thing, because I think you can say based on what we've seen throughout history, the socialism in itself as an economic system doesn't work. It doesn't have yeah. the proper uh, uh, excuse me, incentive structure in place. We can also say, though, that unfettered capitalism doesn't work. Like if you're not regulating it, if you're not making sure capitalism ends up with all the money at the top. Yeah, and I mean, if you don't have any unfettered capitalism, 
Yeah, it's Somalia and Afghanistan. Correct, it's correct. Third world, where the guy with the biggest guns and the most power just takes everything. One, <laughs> one guy has all the money, you know, and everybody, or, you know, like, and we were heading there, you know, Rockefellers, you know, like that was why yeah. they, they had to put the antitrust and things like that. Like you need to, to constrain. Capitalism has the proper incentive structure in place. Well, let me jump in, though, because you make an interesting point about the Great Recession, and I almost feel like... Um, you know, we're, we're running into a topic that could be a whole nother show. So audience, maybe, maybe stay tuned. But because I, I look at it several fronts, because I think you're right. This is where the pendulum does swing, right? Yeah. Is that because we, because we're always as humans, we're always the general fighting the last war. We don't kind of, we're not programmed to so much think ahead. Um, and that's why even in the investment markets, right? Everyone always wants the stock or the mutual fund that they did last year. <laughs> and, and they're not looking at the the, the, the fund or the stock next year. Yeah. And that's 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 that did terrible last year. That actually might have a rebound and go yeah. up. Everyone buys high and sells low. <laughs> um, so, but that's kind of what I was going to allude to with the Great Recession because it's a good point you make. I, I feel like in looking at my knowledge of history and finance and economics, you know, the the Great Depression. Um, was was partially caused not so much by the stock market collapse of 1929, but to the Federal Reserve's reaction to it. What the Federal Reserve did back after the crash of 29 and the failure of the banks and, and unemployment is they tightened the money supply. Yeah. They basically were like, all right, we're going to raise interest rates. We're not going to, you know, kind of allow capital to flow from a central point. And what happened was business capital had seized up. And so right. what happened is there was no capital. No one got paid. That's why you had all the banks, uh, you know, the lines at the banks and the banks were, were going bankrupt and you had 40% unemployment. So if you look at a country that's what, 250 years old or so, now fast forward 70 years to 2008, 2009, and the, you know, the powers that be, call it Ben Bernanke at the Federal Reserve, you know, the Bush administration and, and, um, and, and those that were in control at the time only had one historical precedent, which was the Great Depression and, and the crash of 29. And they did the opposite. So, correct. So they looked and said, well, that worked that way and that didn't go too well. Let's try this the other way. And unlike many people, I really think, I think Bernanke did a good job. I think between the transition of the Bush and the Obama administration, they were able to hold together a strategy that actually worked to, to avoid a Great Depression and 40% unemployment. Now, unemployment hit about maybe 10, 12%. Off the book stuff, if people want to look at that, they say maybe 15 to 17 at the max. Um, but we had, we had the ability of the economy holding together. I think where my argument then comes where the failures of the leadership came, I think we're after that. As I think the quantitative easing strategy worked to keep the economy in check. And we saw that we've had a nice expansion, the longest expansion in U.S. history thereafter, just from a number standpoint of statistics on the GDP and all that. I think where we failed, though, is from the kind of moral hazard side of it, right? You know, no one got punished for really any of this. I mean, a couple of hedge fund guys went to jail for insider trading and slaps on the wrist. But we, we never saw any of the big boys at Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan or folks that, that, that did some things behind the scenes that were questionable that got us into this place. We saw the government itself fighting the administration when they were trying to put controls in place like um, the Consumer Protection Bureau yeah. and all that. So what I think is, and it's sad because you're right, I feel like both Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders' very existence at the top of where they're at, because you, your comment is very valid about Sanders because it's also true about Trump. 
Trump yeah. considered running for president in 88. He ran for president in, in 98 or 2000 or something like that in the Reform Party. You know, he was flirting with it again in 04. Mm-hmm. So Donald Trump is someone that we all know has been in the public eye and has also been talking the same thing because, remember, he was taking ads out in the 1980s bashing the Reagan administration saying that Japan was eating our lunch yeah. and that we were going to get it. So both Sanders and, and Trump have been saying the same things for 40 years. But, it, but it you're really right. It's just the environment of today, yeah. of the last 10 years, was such that the public, the pendulum swung that way, that the public was saying that message is what we want to hear now. Just like the pendulum swung in 08, where, where it was hope and change after the Bush administration. Yeah. That got us. So that's why I think it's, it's maybe even just to so go. You, so, so you would come down that it is, that it, well, so would a sociopath beat a socialist seven days a week? Because then I, I you're think your definition Trump and of that is correct in the United States. I, I yeah, think that's what you say, in America. The, in America. the United States, we are so, um, because I think the socialist argument comes in two forms. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't appreciate people, even people that think they're Native Americans, maybe not, I should wait, it's a Native white Americans, not, uh-huh. not Indian Native American, you know, whatever I, I'm supposed to call, you know, the people that were here before Columbus showed up. Um, but I'm talking about white Americans that maybe themselves or their parents or grandparents didn't immigrate here directly, but may have, you know, they can trace their roots of immigrants, you know, further in the past. The, 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 the concept of socialism in Europe and South America is much different than what a lot of Americans think of as socialism. So when Bernie Sanders says, I'm a socialist, what he's saying is, yeah, I think I'm like, I want to be like Sweden and Norway and these kind of countries. You know, when my mom came from Hungary and they escaped in 1956, when they had a week of independence after fighting the Soviets off for a week. And when you hear from people from that part of the world at that time, remember, around the time of the middle of the 20th century, when you had Mussolini, Hitler, Stalin, these guys, what socialism meant was the state, you know, kind of authoritarian regime with a state coming down and literally coming into your house and saying, this is mine now. Yeah. Saying, because you don't, you're not my religion, like what they did to the Jews in Europe or like to the gypsies or to gays or to political enemies like in, in Russia. I mean, I think Stalin in one summer killed like 2 million people just because he said, hey, they don't agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so when you, so people well, that- So that's immigrated, the authoritarian aspect. But, that, but, but that's what I'm yeah. getting at. So think about it, the descendants of those immigrants, right? So people like my uncle who came here, my uncle was a staunch Republican because he just felt like Democrats are socialists. And to him, the definition of a socialist was what he had in Europe. Yeah. In that, in that part of Europe. And that's what I'm saying too. When I talk to someone- that's from South America, their definition of a socialist is Chavez or Maduro or Castro. So what I'm saying is that's why I say in America, it's different because a guy like Bernie, he is, he's talking about Scandinavia, but he's committing political suicide by saying, Oh, I'm a socialist because in America, so many people hear that. And that's the first thing they think of It's not about your whole economic policy and all that. They think of what you just said, the authoritarian style of socialism. Which and, isn't really socialism. Like they, yeah, those but, people but sold it as socialism in a sense, but that's just because they wanted to take control of all the assets. Correct. But, but, <laughs> but if they were, like, like for what I think you said this too, right? As a politician, once you start explaining just that, 
You're already losing. You're already out. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like a third your nose to the, Well, let me nuance the type of socialist I am, you know. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. not that kind. You've already I'm lost not, people. It's yeah, like, already, already like, people. come on. And that's, to me, that's my, one of my big issues with, with Bernie is not that he, like, I'm, I'm learning in this last 10 years of just watching all this stuff. To me, character is so important and, yeah. and, and temperament and all that. And, and I'll give you an example. Like, I used to think, Mitt Romney was such a staunch conservative guy and was a little bit too far to the right for me. Mm -hmm. Now I'm looking at a guy like Mitt Romney and saying, man, I respect this guy a lot. He just, you know why? Because he's true to who he is as a conservative. He's, he, he, he's not just going on this, 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 this fall over myself to, to be part of this, this kind of dear leader movement with Trump. He still, he still stands up and says things that are in line with the conservative values of the Republican party. Sometimes. And so, and so, <laughs> and so, and so, but that's what I'm saying is that, so someone like Bernie Sanders to me, when I saw him being interviewed about a year ago and somebody was asking him, I don't think it was Steve Schmidt. I think it was the other guy who's, who's on the same network. Sometimes um, Heilman, John Heilman. Mm -hmm. And he was coming more from the marketing angle. Like, Hey, listen, man, a lot of people, a lot of progressives <laughs> kind of agree with what you say. But why do you got to keep saying you're a socialist? Yeah, why are you, why do you choose it that way to market yourself? Correct. And, and Bernie was so rigid. He was just like, well, because that's what I am. And, da, da, da. and that's when I was like, you know, this is why I went on a guy like him in office. Not because I disagree so much with his policies. It's more like because he will, he'll be like Trump. He just won't work with anyone. He'll, well, no, he'll, I mean, that's a very interesting point. Because look at it you know like this. I mean? Donald Trump is an authoritarian. Right. <laughs> but he doesn't go around selling himself as one. And, you know, and he, he's also, he's, he's really not a conservative. I mean, he, no, no, he's not at he's, all. He's, he's a, a reactionary. And he's an yeah. He loves um, hedonism and, and, and kind of, you know, his whole life has been about being yeah. like a he liberal doesn't sell himself in that yeah. way, you know? So and that's exactly. what the bizarre so, piece is, is that with Bernie, like, well, why do you make it such a point to call yourself this regardless? Like people call themselves liberal, liberal people call themselves progressive. People call themselves conservatives. Pe people demonize the word liberal, even though that, that means if you say you're a liberal, that just means you're not an authoritarian. You're not a religious fundamentalist. And people demonize yeah. that like it's something crazy. So the, the, the terminology you use while it, it draw people draw so much meaning from it, it's very flexible. It's not like it's, there aren't these you know t tests that, that people are applying all the time. Can you use this term to call yourself that? Like Obama, if you wanted to, you could call him a conservative. You know, yeah. and so like in, in terms of the way he governed. In terms of his his affinity for the status quo. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people on the left were disappointed in Obama. Correct, you know, correct. And so you, but if you sell yourself is just really how you're trying to identify yourself to people in terms of, hey, join me because I'm this. You know, what yeah. club are you trying to be a part of? And so he's really thumbing his nose at the system more than anything, which I think would cost him. I do think well, a sociopath, a sociopath, the, the difference there is that a sociopath wouldn't come out and say, vote for me, I'm a sociopath. Yeah. You know? And so if he did, then maybe a sociopath wouldn't win. But maybe he would, according to Steve well, Smith. Maybe but but it's win. an interesting point you make about Donald Trump being authoritarian because I kind of see the same risk with someone like Bernie, right? Like I think well, what Bernie, I'm saying though is that that's his approach, but he doesn't sell. It. He's he doesn't. Well, why do you call why don't why do you call yourself an authoritarian? Well, that's what I am. I think that I should be able to do whatever I want to do. Yeah, he doesn't do that. He he still presents himself as, as, right. as if he's. No, a but I think I think but I think he's an example, and that's why I I, I would say this. I wouldn't be as scared of an Elizabeth Warren or someone like that. But Bernie to me is someone that, that I would think could get to that place where he right now, he may not think that he would ever do anything to cross the line because he's not in power yet. 
But I could almost see him being like one of these guys, like a, I wouldn't say as extreme, uh, so I'll be definitely careful the way I say it, but kind of like a Fidel Castro, where I'm sure Castro was genuine in his belief that he was being a revolutionary. But when he got in somewhere, it kind of changed and he got maybe a little bit of grandiosity. And that's when he started doing the crazy shit and imprisoning people and torturing him and doing stuff that I don't think a lot of people that were down with the revolution in the beginning ended up being down with yeah, after he got a power. I mean, there's also, if you don't have a system of beliefs, then that's something that's easier to fall into. Like Bernie is very, he's always been though. He's always but, been very But that's why I said I want to be system. careful because I'm not, I definitely am not saying that I think Bernie Sanders will be kind of violent in that way and start shutting. No, down. I'm saying his, Bernie, though, I'm, I'm not forget the how you're, th- you're saying he would. Yeah. Do. I'm saying that Bernie has demonstrated over decades an affinity and a belief in our American system. I don't think your your your, your rigidity and, and what you think needs to happen or anything like that is the determinant factor there. That's if you think the American system as just an ends, an ends or excuse me, a means to an end. And, and something that you is just a tool for you to do what you want to do, you know, or if there is no system in place, like when, when you, if you look at historical examples, the people who have taken a system that was in place and that many people believed in and then overturned that system is different than just somebody who's who like is just very rigid in their beliefs. Where I'm going with my, my thing in him is, is not that he doesn't believe it. It's just that I could see him being out of all the Democratic candidates, right? I could see him being the one if he got in. Definitely not trying to work too much across the aisle and all that to get bipartisan stuff done. I could see him being like, look, in his head, maybe saying, oh, shit, my whole life has been about this moment. I'm now in my late 70s. I got four years, potentially, maybe eight if I'm lucky to just get this shit done. And I could see him being kind of like Trump, like just taking a sledgehammer to certain kind of norms. Interesting. And and my point is, my point is this. I'm the type of human being that says I might have a certain belief system, no matter what that is. But as a, in a greater society, I don't want to just run over people to have my way be the way. Like, I would rather have lose a little bit of what I think, you know, give up a bit of whatever I think is, is my all my interests and negotiate and compromise to have a society that functions well for everybody. And my point is, is that I'm not sure Bernie Sanders, nor obviously our current president, Mr. Trump, see things in that way. I think that, you know, both of them, and that's why I think both of them, like we said, the, the, the public was ripe for both of their personalities to be at the top of the mindset of the electorate. Bernie got screwed by Hillary in 2016 in the yeah. primaries, or he'd have been the nominee. He'd have been Trump. the nominee in May of one. So, and so that's my point is that I think it, 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 it doesn't go without reason that it's like the public chose both men. Just both were a manifestation for whatever side you're on. One was for kind of the more, you know, um, outwardly authoritarian, supporting, xenophobic, conservative style type of voter. The other was more for the one that thinks that they're the socialist progressive type. But both men, to me, have a lot of similarities. Well, in that what way. you're seeing, though, is just that the public recognized there was a need for change. Um, yeah. Now, and we say all that, but Hillary but their did get more popular was a populist vote. need. That's but, my point. But yeah. Hillary got more votes than Trump. You know, so we, we say that all we want. We play the result. Um, electoral college is not necessarily set up to, to gauge public sentiment. It's to balance 
the power or, or imbalance the power between small states. And but remember, states. Hillary only got more votes because of Joe Biden going to Ukraine so that they could <laughs> so they could steal so that, the server yeah. and so then that, release all her emails until yeah. they could blame the so Republicans. That James told me to go a month before the a week before the election and and, and say that she's under investigation. Yeah, so, yeah, so. you, know, you got to get your facts right. Oh so. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whichever you want them to be, at least <laughs> pick one set. Um, but so no, man, I, I think we'll cut it off there. So until next time, thank you for joining us on Call It Like I See It. I'm James Keys. I'm Tunde Ogunlana. And we'll see you next time.